yes exactly that is what i'm saying because i was asking them i said do you know somebody who has corona they said no do you know somebody who knows somebody who has corona they said no okay do you know somebody who has a friend who knows somebody who has a cousin who knows somebody who has corona they said no Jesus. and i was like do you know somebody who knows 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 somebody <laughs> they said no <laughs> yeah no 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 it's forcing everyone to strip themselves of their ego which i which i'm finding necessary yeah definitely a time to start over with everything mm-hmm. <laughs> how we approach work how we approach what what being social is going to look like like everything is just not going to be what we are accustomed to anymore you know, i have no desire to be at the club i have no desire to be outside um, it's going to be interesting to when we finally go to that one gathering again and we go, oh my God, our first post-corona gathering. Mm-hmm. So next year. <laughs> and then I have, and then we all have to wash our, like spray our hands with hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Baba, why are you making gifts doo on a Thursday? Um, I was off today and I've been wondering, I wanted to use my cast iron to make gifts dodo so wow see wealth guys <laughs> no it's on sale it's on sale on how amazing it's on sale though so i copped uh, did, did you get that target where they burnt everything down damn i i'm so upset it's not my target that's being <laughs> i have pulled up with my trunk open <laughs> see i'd have went straight to the kitchen you already know what my life was like i would have been you would right in the household Air fryer, air fryer, deep fryer, fam. Oh my God. Bob would have treated it like it was the 80s when they had the blackouts. Yeah. Bob would have had all the stuff. Bro, I would have been been doing orders the next day. Let's try out this meal. 2021, Bob, you would just see Bob Kitchen Electronics selling Mad May tags. Everything. (laughs) Everything. Bob, who's your supplier? I'll tell you next. It's his eye. It's his eye. I can't tell you my sauce. I have to go to jail. I can't tell you. Don't worry. Yeah. But now it came out well. I did it with um the Ayamache sauce. So it was it came out very well. Oh now you're flexing Ayamache sauce. Yeah. Now you know we can't go outside. Exactly. You are you're a master. Welcome. I'll drop it at the door. So you, know you know that's not an invite when you are in the Bronx. And you know I don't go there. It's your fault. Is it my fault? <laughs> Wow. In your words. Wow. In your words. How are you going to take my, my meme and use it against me? That's evil. Anyway, we're not, we're not, when you are ready, you know where the food is at. <laughs> That's we have, so funny. We have quick ends in there here, so we're going we gonna to talk about our just later. Yeah, let's, let's, let's put some respect on it. All right, yo. Well, in that case, uh, I guess we could just go. Bow, are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Welcome everyone to episode 61 of Know How the Podcast. We have a special guest today, so we need all the drops. I was like, wow. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we need all the drops for our guests. So make it happen. Don't don't dog. Don't sleep on a bicycle like your people say. Me dog? Okay. Yeah. This is this is classic stalling to find the app moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> Me, dog, how dare you? 
Noah Hala. Today we have a very, very special guest with us. Uh, she, well, she's from Maryland, you know, the DMV area. I got to say it right, Maryland, right? Is that? Yeah. Yes, Maryland. It's, yeah, it's not Maryland, you know, it's Maryland. Mm-hmm. And um, in Brooklyn now, right? Yes. See, I do my research. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I do my research, but now I have a dope-ass journalist. A uh, wonderful, wonderful Nigerian woman in that space. We have Antoinette Isama with us. How are yeah. you feeling, Antoinette? I'm good, given the circumstances, but I'm happy to be here chatting with you two today. Yes, whenever Tune decides. Did I pronounce the last name right? Yes, you did. There we go. I'm back now. I was confused. I told you. I told you he's going to come back. I've introduced Antoinette because you were here, Dolan. So I'm going to say, hey, Nick, do you have the drop ready? Uh, this, uh, we look very, very bad right now. There we go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> and today's special guest is... Who is it? Sama. There we go. Took you long enough. And that way I hear. I have to make sure it was perfect. I told you, Anthony, this is what he was doing with his time. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, she was like, where did he go? I'm like, no. He's right there. He's just, he's got Levantin around this application. Let, trying to let, me, let, me see, let me see what other effects we have up here. I forgot. Please don't. Please don't. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's that. Okay. There's, there's, uh, Okay. <laughs> okay. Antoinette, please don't support this man. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's the. It's all over. Don't cry. Don't beg. It's all over. Yep. What is the meaning of this? Yep. That's okay. So we know that's there. What else? Get out of here. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we're good. We're in a good place. Do you know what <laughs> what you saw, like what this moment just reminds me? You know when visitors come over and your pops got new electronics? <laughs> and and he's trying to figure out how to use the remote. Nobody cares about the subwoofer <laughs> that you just got. He's like, ah, wow. <laughs> Look, let me just hold on. Right. Let me show you how good the new subwoofer I got. Right. Hold like, on. nobody cares, bro. Like, uh-uh. it's, it's Saturday. We out here trying to watch Pokemon in the morning. You my brother, just come to the living room. Oh, my brother, yeah. come to the living room. Let me show you this thing I bought from Service Merchandise. Just come right. here. <laughs> and that's exactly what this moment is. Why right? hey. we were stuck having to listen to you and, and the whole damn sound effect board. But, whole time, um, whole time you're like, damn, they still make service merchandises. It's like, ah, look at this surround system I got for on sale on Black Friday. It was only ninety dollars, and then you hear it, and you're like, okay, I know why it was ninety dollars. Right, Radio Shack going away till <laughs> <laughs> not Radio Shack, right? Oh, you want me to take it back a little more? Nah, the wit. Nobody beats the Wiz, bro. Ooh. Okay, well, I'm not going to show my age and say... No, nah, that's cool. It, I was a, it was a very New York reference. It's fine. No, no, I get you. I get you. Oh, no, you got to be from the tri-state to appreciate that. But, um, no, anyway, we have Antoinette in the building here. Obviously, this is a very, very special episode. Absolutely. A lot has been going on. I know we were supposed to record early in the week, and then 
shit just got, kept happening, not just with us, but in the world. So, Facts. I think, so you have to take... Oh, God. <laughs> Why, man? Why? You, you know what stinks? I'm so used to our, like, normal board. The colors that are associated with the device that I'm using, yeah, are not matching up. So I have to remember my brain. I have to remember my brain that this... You know, I have to, like, know in my brain what I'm looking for. Again, Antoinette, I'm going to keep apologizing. For like <laughs> Just bear with us. Sunday and his gadget. But, and no, so- it's it's been a lot going on this week. Um, I was hoping... I think we have to start with it, right, tonight? Yeah, I think we should just get. I think we should just lead with it. Um. So yeah, Minnesota man. Well, he's not from a Houston man. Moved to Minneapolis and was basically trying to reset his life through whatever he has to do shopping. And I think he tried to use a check, and he was accused of using a false check or a bad check. And cops were called. Cops show up. He doesn't resist arrest. They cuff him and. Obviously, we have gaps in the visuals because I know I, I've i seen the store security one because I can only watch it to a certain point. So I don't know exactly how it ends, but I could, you know, I, I saw when the cop was on top of him from one angle and that was wild enough to me. And then I think a day later or maybe hours later, then the other angle came out, which was from the other side of the car with three officers on top of one man. And I don't know, that one like really, really broke me. Like it was just, it was just very heavy. It just felt like all of this for one person. And, it, you know, it just felt like it was like hunting, like hunting down a black man. So I don't know. I feel like everybody and anybody that listens to our podcast has probably heard of it or seen, you know, little clips here and there. So I don't want to go into it too much, but I just wanted to hear where you guys are with this because I know the last episode with um Avia we spoke about this and we were talking about Ahmad and you know the visuals as well with that watching you know the clips that were circulating so um Antoinette uh, how do you how when did you hear about it how how did you process it how are you processing it now as things are still uncovering with the protest and, you know, the um, I think the mayor, the governor is speaking out against the force a little bit. What, what are your thoughts on everything? So I first came across his hashtag on Twitter. Like I find myself on Twitter a lot, given the work that I do. Right. Um, and I remember seeing it like late, late at night. And I was like, I don't, I really hope this is, this isn't what I think it is. I just went to sleep. And then the next morning I woke up and the, the footage came out, the stills of, of from that video were all over the timeline. And I was like, okay, we're having yet another Eric Garner moment. It kind of took me back to watching Freddie Gray die from Baltimore and just how like, how that really impacted me. So I made a conscious effort not to watch the video of what happened to George Floyd and for the sake of like my own mental health. Um, but it still shook me because it's almost like we can never catch a break. Like there's always some semblance of excess use of force of people who are quote unquote sworn to protect us that do anything but protect us. Um, people we're all grieving now. So it's like, we're, we're literally going through the different stages of grief in 
at the height of the Black Lives Matters movement from a few years ago. Like I'm seeing all that happen again. I'm seeing the same conversations about why we, why all lives matter shouldn't be trending on the internet somehow it did. Um, people caping for the police force saying, oh, not all cop- cops are bad. We're still having those conversations now. Like it's, it's all just very wild to me. So I've just tried to um, take, take, take things easy um, pay attention to how I'm triggered, how I feel triggered as I'm consuming what's going on around this story, um, and try to pay attention to those who are like offering something substantive to the conversation. Right. Sunday. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were still working. No, no, no. Now I was muted. I'm chopping small. Uh, my sentiments are similar to Antoinette's. Uh, given the past year that I've had, um, anytime I see something on the timeline that uh, brings me back to certain moments, I check out. So I, I like once I started seeing things on the timeline that were trending related to uh, George, George Floyd's um, on very unfortunate uh, murder, because that's what it was, um, I did my best to stay off the timeline. And once I, and once I did that, lo and behold, not even minutes later, I'm getting text messages. I'm getting WhatsApp group notifications that have the video in it. And it just brings me back to the conversations that we've been having. Like people aren't, people are, I believe, I feel like our people are so desensitized to how often this happens that they're not considering the mental health of people that are sensitive to seeing graphic um images like that or seeing like uh what they call it like um morbid curiosity right so i think that i've i've just checked out from seeing things like that so i had to take a break from social media as much as i could the past week um but it's sad man it's it's the same story just like internet said it's the same story you you know we've been dealing with these types of things and it's like everybody's handling it the way they best know how um yeah and then when you realize that like the cop that you know the cop cops responsible for you know the four cops responsible for pinning him down and you know killing him uh, have all pretty much been involved in infractions like this in the past and we're and we're still on the force so it's a reminder that sometimes and usually every time something like this happens the people that are at fault it's not their first offense. It's not their second offense. It's not their third offense of doing similar behavior. But, you know, the police force will protect people like that because they're the biggest gang in, in the country. <laughs> so um, it's unfortunate. And, you know, I'm very sad for for everyone that knew him. I'm very sad for his family. And um, I I started hearing through my music circles that George Floyd was also, was all, um, also a rapper when he was in Houston, he used to rap on DJ Screw's mixtapes as um, Big 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 George or Big Floyd. Um, so he was known in Houston for being like this positive, super, you know, happy, connected guy. And then he moved to Minneapolis to start a new life, you know, met his fiance, um, his white fiance, 
um, and they were happily starting a new life together. And everybody that's been interviewed that knew him was like, this guy wouldn't hurt a fly. You know, he was in the hood doing this and he was in the hood doing that. Then, you know, he, he, he got everybody in his neighborhood baptized at one point. Like he was just the type of person that like you would, ex you wouldn't expect this type of thing to happen to. And I hate to say that because it's also a reminder that there is no sort of like moral excellence that's required to treat black people with decency and not kill them. Um, but that's the narrative that I keep seeing about this man, right? So it's sad, man. It's just a reminder that no matter how good or how bad you're perceived by certain people in society, you're still subject to danger if you're you know, at the wrong place at the wrong time. So it's, it's, it's sad. And that is my, that is my feedback on, on what we're down. But, um, yeah, I think it's been draining to every, you know, to anyone with a pulse that has connected to our community and our culture <clears throat> to just, I don't know, because you see people who just feel like they did something or he must have triggered something. It's like, it's so weird because you really just know, like, anything can happen and you, someone could just be a hashtag, you know, just like that. Like, you could just really go about your day, go on and pick up some groceries, um, go for a jog, you know, buy whatever, buy Skittles, whatever it is. Um, and even um, cause I saw Sean Bell's daughter graduated, um, I think over the weekend or something like that. So I, that also resurfaced in my memory and just being with your fiance. So a lot can happen in, in just a trip outside your home, if not even in your home, rest in peace, the, the young lady who's, uh, I think the cops ran into her home and shot her up thinking it was a different how I think it was like they didn't knock and they just ran in there. I've been reading up on that as well. So it's been a lot going on. It's just like a whole lot to digest. And then I just found out another person got killed by someone that was stalking him after a car accident. So a lot is just a lot happens and it's a lot to digest. And I, like you said, I try as best to not, normalize any of this. I try to not watch it. I don't follow people who just, you know, share things like that without a heads up or that's been know, fun too. That's been fun yeah. having to unfollow people and then them getting mad. Why'd you unfollow me? Well, because well, you don't you lack sensitivity and you right. don't listen. Right. Especially don't people that have warned in the past. There's people I've warned in the past. Please do not share graphic things like that. that you have to warn anybody on the fact like you're retweeting or you're sharing somebody's child, somebody's father, uncle, cousin, just just like, just on social media for nothing. Like, you're not, you're not a new, a sort, like, if you're like CNN, Fox, whatever it is, if you're like a source of news, then it's like, okay, this is your job. But that's, there's so many things to speak on. There's so many content to cover. Why is it that you want to share a video of a black person dying? Like, no, but even so, even so, I think that there's other things that can be shared if you want to address the fact that this hate, this bad thing happened. But I feel no, like... No, no, that's what I'm saying. The video yeah, itself yeah. is not... It's a life. It's a life yeah. like just being lost and... Huh. Oh, it's it's heavy. And I don't know, like you said, we just really got to unfollow people without common sense and preserve our sanity because there's no way you watch something like that and you just go about your day like nothing happened. And if you're that type of person, I can't afford to follow you, you know, because mm -hmm. we're on two different wavelengths. So and um, I'm sure you guys have all seen the protest that's been happening. Target got hit. Yeah. Yep. That's a whole nother conversation I've been having with people. It's like, how do you I, feel about that? 
Well, what I will say is this whole thing is reminding me of Ferguson, where, you know, and we know that um, in the aftermath of Ferguson, basically every protester that had been identified is, is, is no longer with us. So the first thing I always think about when I see things like this is I hope these people are protecting their identities. I hope these people are, you know, protecting themselves, being out there. And I hope these people are um, smart enough not to get manipulated by, you know, the cops that are posing as protesters that egg people on in order to cause the damage in these communities that are predominantly black who in in turn will go back to the precinct and say see this is why we shouldn't be putting any investment in these communities because look what they're doing to their own people it's been proven that a lot of these you know when it's black people that protest they call them riots right but when it's you know caucasians that are doing these things they're they're freely allowed to use weapons and storm their state legislators and and nothing happens to them so we see the disparity in in the communities and how the certain demographics are treated when they want to protest and how certain communities are demonized based on what they look like um i i it's it's sad man i want everybody listening to google the term agent provocateur and when you google agent provocateur everything that i'm saying will make sense Basically, it's, and it's a, it's a tactic that's been used in war strategies for hundreds, if not thousands of years, where basically if you want to introduce dissent in a community, all you have to do is go into the community and blend in as if you're a part of the community and just cause destruction. And once the destruction is happening, everybody's killing each other, you can pull out because you've already done the deed. Like, you don't need to stay around and watch what happens. They're going to do whatever chaos leads them to do and that's exactly what i feel happens a lot of the time and once they pull out then they'll just blame the organizations that were set up in order to help the communities like black lives matter or and etc right so that's what i've been seeing and the more i look on my timeline i'm seeing more evidence of you know cops or people that are being paid to you know bus up windows of of important establishments in these communities so that they can turn around and say, blame it on Black Lives Matter. Um, these people are being paid to destabilize communities. And um, it's, it's Black people are being manipulated, unfortunately. And it's not, it's not, it's not gonna be fun when all this goes down, because that's the first thing the media is gonna do. Oh, look at what they're doing. They're, they're breaking their own communities up. They don't care about their own people. Why should we care about them, et cetera. That's the narrative that they're probably gonna build together. So. Right. It's it's sad, man, but it's a reminder that sometimes when you're on the other side, like it's kind of like when when you like all of us on this call have dealt with the other side of entertainment, where we we you know we know the narratives that are put together for artists or actors or whatever the case is, and we know these people in real life, right? So we know their we know their real sides and we know their shadow we know their shadow sides and the sa- the sides that they present to the to the world, and I feel like that's kind of how we have to look at it because we're seeing what's being played out on the, on the timeline and what the, what the people are consuming on the internet. But we also know the truth that like, you know, the, the chick that was in the wheelchair that, you know, it came out after that she can actually walk shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, what is the point of, of that? You know what I mean? <laughs> For some people, it's just, a, it's just like something to do. Yeah. Like, it's wild. Like I think that the the just juxtaposition between what uh the I guess I mean I would I would much rather call it a rebellion than call it a riot, but mm-hmm. but like what's hap- what what's been happening in Minneapolis over the past like 24 to 48 hours versus what we saw when these like 
you know, quote unquote, freedom toting, gun toting, white supremacists, in my opinion, we're like storm, storming their their state buildings, talking about something we want to go outside again, knowing the fact that like we're still in the midst of a pandemic and nothing of the, of this level of this violent level was done to them is will never cease to amaze me. But like it is America that we're talking about. So it shouldn't come as a surprise. But the visually speaking, like it's still very jarring to see. Uh-huh. Especially, especially since what well, you know, the protests that happened in Minneapolis did begin to be peaceful. Like it wasn't. It's, I don't think people go go into you know expressing the need for justice in this situation. I don't think they intend for it to turn violent. But, exactly, but, and that's but, what but I was saying provoked. too. We get provoked. They show they show up with mad weapons. They're quick to spew tear gas and pepper spray people and injure people when they don't even have what what these folks who, you know, kind of, like, emphasize that it's their right to be gun-toting. Like, I don't even know if y'all saw that image of the two two white men with guns, like, protecting, like, um... A, a, yeah, they're like, oh, we don't want anything to happen to the shop. And I'm like, but where did y'all come from, though? <laughs> like, who sent you? Yeah. Like, is it your shop? Like, it's so weird because... Their their agendas, like like Tuna uh, referred to uh, reference, their agendas in every single thing, whether it be the people, some of the people protesting, the officers that are undercover, or you know, th- some people just want to riot without being without a movement. They just want to like see chaos and be a part of it or get some get away with something. Because those people, those I think it was two speaking and then there were two behind them. I think those people were just looking to shoot. Yeah. And they're all they're all they're also the same people that will gaslight people for for speaking their truth about the situation on the Internet. But we know Mm -hmm. that's not they're running in real life. No, definitely. Definitely. Um, My whole thing with this, this like protest, riot, whatever you want to call it, thing is a lot of people have been saying, oh, what does this do? How does this help us? Right. But my thing is the situation previous to the protest or the riot is not necessarily favorable for us anyway. Because we've done, I don't think somebody hurts, when somebody hurts you, you reach out to them and ask, how exactly would you like me to respond so you can then respect me? Mm. You know, Correct. Because like, they've, they've had 400 years to do that. Right. So it's like we obviously, in the early stages of like, Black people in America gaining freedom, protests were made, but a lot more peaceful. You know, there were people being chased by dogs, water hoses were being, you know, those things happened peacefully. Has there been progress? Sure. But is that the progress we want? No. And throughout time, Black people have been standing up, you know, marching down streets and changing states, whatever it is. And things haven't changed. So I get that this destroys the neighborhood. I get that it's not necessarily a positive way to go about things, but what exactly are y'all saying people should do that would make a man that sees the, feels the need to put his knee on somebody's neck and watch him die? What exactly do you think we can do where he'd be like, you know what, I see what y'all saying now? And, you know? and, that, and that's the golden question because that's the same question I ask. But at the end of the day, none of us have the answer because right. we can argue I, whatever we want, but nothing has worked. So until we have a solution that works, um, we gonna try. We should try everything out. 
And I think we, I think we are. I, I think we are trying everything out. But what I also hate is being gaslit, like Antoinette. Excuse me, Antoinette said earlier, where um, she's she mentioned that you know it's the same quote unquote allies that will jump out any chance to say, oh, but black on black crime, oh, but MLK, oh, but but X Y Z. Like these are the same people that killed MLK, and they will use any chance they can to bring up the fact that MLK was nonviolent. Yes, and you and you guys killed him. And you guys, you know, rub it in our face every chance you get that he was nonviolent and that, you know, racism is over. Clearly it's not. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, the same people that will do the microaggressions at work, the same people that are doing your employee reviews when it comes to your reviews at the office and you can't figure out why you can't get to the next level at your job. It's the same people. The, the, chi- the chick in Central Park, we didn't, we didn't talk, we didn't even get to her yet. But it's the same thing. This woman was a VP in her organization. God knows how many minorities, you know, that she's she's been in overseeing in her career that she stifled their careers because of her own internal prejudices. These are things that are happening every day across every industry in this country, including the police force. I can only imagine how many, you know, minority police officers are even in the Minneapolis Police Department that have seen examples of these things going on. Examples of this happening in New York, officers that look like us that have seen this thing going on, but they can't say anything because then it becomes, oh, like, you're not a good cop. And this is real stuff. I mean, all of us have worked in corporate environments. If you're a part of a, if you work for a place or you work in an organization where they make you feel like family, and the minute you recognize that there's something wrong in that system, and you, you may want to, like, be the agent of change, you know, you, you become othered very quickly. And everybody else that's in that organization that, you know, is trying to uphold the family values, even if you're not considered in those values, you become you become the problem very quickly. Mm-hmm. And and if anything goes left, you become the person that is responsible for it, even if you had nothing to do with it. That's just how certain organizations work. So the police unions, the, you know, the, the you know, lo- local levels of government. They're not excused. I mean, we've seen it in Ahmaud Arbery's case. We've seen it in, you know, in in, in Freddie Gray's uh, case. We've seen it in all these different cases where people are protected because they're a member of an organization that is willing to uphold the organization over what is right. And that's the same thing that I'm seeing happening here. Where, it's, I mean, yes, the officers were fired, but will they be prosecuted for killing you know, George Floyd. That is that is what I want to know. Will they be prosecuted for murder? It's almost like because they have that badge, they have the agency to kill people and not get away with it. And the thing is, they do. Yeah. <laughs> the race, you know? the race, and the badge are like the two things needed. If, if, if police officers were held accountable for innocent lives that they've taken, our entire our entire organization of law enforcement in this country would look a lot different. I saw a stat earlier today saying that, like, about 400 people have died under police custody or killed by police so far this year. Yeah. Like, the police's job is to protect and serve. Yes. Once you've neutralized, you know, a suspect or whatever you want to call them, somebody that's in your in your custody, once they're handcuffed, there's no reason for you to be applying force to somebody's neck once they're on the ground. Like, that doesn't make any sense to anyone that I know that's in law enforcement that I've talked to since all these things started happening. Like, once it's clear that the, you know, the perp, suspect, whatever, is uncomfortable, 
like your job as a as an officer, you're a first responder first. So mm-hmm. you're supposed to make sure that whoever is in your custody is healthy enough or sa- it's safe enough to be able to survive the process until you move them to the next step in the process, which is to answer for their crime. And it seems like the only people that are afforded this luxury, which is supposed to be a standard, um, are people that don't look like us. And that's the problem. There should be nobody dying on camera. But that's, so that's the exhausting part for me. It's like, it's, it's, it's knowing that all the prayers that our parents have prayed over us from the point we were kids were not in vain. Like we, we may have, oh, you guys are overreacting. But the over we, the older we get, we realize, oh, you know, when when mom, dad, grandparents are praying, you know, journey mercies, you know, get home safe, you know, God will do, God will protect you, God will make sure you and your friends are safe when you go out. Like you realize that there, it's those aren't empty prayers. Like there's real shit going on outside. Yeah. So that's that's where it's it's been hitting home for me. So I'm, <laughs> to be transparent, exhausted by everything happening on social media. Um, I have not been active on social media in, in a while, and there's a reason. So um, I will continue to, you know, gather myself and maintain the good vibes as much as I can until I deem it safe to be back on the timelines again. It's honestly all about, like, taking things in stride and in your own time. Like, I feel like I can't emphasize that enough for people. Like, you don't always have to say something. You can maybe talk about your friends like you don't always have to consume what people are throwing out on the timeline right now like it's okay to mute it's okay to like filter things off your feed just so you can make sure that like you're somewhat mentally okay because in in the moment it may not think that it's impacting you but it is and you might not feel it tomorrow you might feel it next week and then you're going to be wondering why, like, why do I feel this way? Where is this coming from? It's because of what what we're literally consuming as we mindlessly scroll on these on these social media platforms. You're you're 100 percent right. I just I feel like I'm not sure if it's a different period in our history as black people that we now have to get used to. Um, black death and social media and how how the news gets like how the news makes its rounds among among our community, right? Because mm. now certain things, like obviously if that visual is in there, we know the agenda that, you know, the, um, the police department would have, the prosecutor would have. It would be a whole different story. Even though I've just heard that the prosecutor just dropped a video saying there's evidence, for, you know, otherwise. But um, I think as a, I guess as a race or a community, because things are different in every country, we're still trying to figure out how exactly to get this news around and still not be desensitized. Because I think those, maybe a generation younger than us, are very, a lot of them are desensitized to it because it was the first, it was the, I was just talking to a friend earlier about the World Star era where people were just getting beat up. like. It was normal to just go on World Star and just watch a young man, young woman, mostly black, Hispanic, just get beat up. And it wouldn't, you know, there's, it wasn't a big deal. It was just a view on YouTube or on World Star Hip Hop. And now the next thing now is just this, just sharing videos of black men and women dying. And mm. I don't know. I think we have to, 
there has to be some kind of policing that we still haven't figured out as a community. Like, we all have to speak out when people are sharing those videos. I remember, like, it's like when TMZ drops news on somebody passing, there's an outrage. I think there also has to be an outrage on just mm. people sharing these videos. Like, we have to call it out. We have to report it. We have to, like, speak against it and follow, you know, so it's so when it happens, it's a weird thing because I know I know they try to conceal certain things and they try to hide some evidence from us, but I don't know. I really don't know where the happy medium is where it's like we get to know what happened, you know, but we also get to keep our sanity. Like I don't know where that medium is. Mm-hmm. We are in agreement. First of all, rest in peace to every single soul lost in the last, I guess, month. It's crazy, right? It's wild. Through um, racist men and women. And those who almost lost, the gentleman in the park who almost lost, who could have lost his life. Yeah. You know, that call went through. Because God knows who, what kind of cop would have came and if he was trying to hear anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Definitely, uh, we keep people in our thoughts and praise because I, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just, it's becoming normal. And you would think, like, officers would see the, you know, just understand the times we're in and be a lot more sensitive. But it feels like it just has nothing to do with them. And they go out just trying to do what they have to do and not care about Black lives. Like, it's it's insane. Sounds like a regular day in America, bro. Shit. Basically. All right, so we're going to transit from that. This has been quite a eventful conversation thus far. Let's definitely take a break so we can get our sponsors, you know what I'm saying, give our sponsors some, some love, and then we will come back and continue the gist. All right. Oh, wow. Oh, they no, someone sent me the Shamik video and I tapped it mistake one. Oh, wow. So you're looking at your your brother. <laughs> you about to say your brother. <laughs> That's your guy. Wow. Okay, we're back on? Your, peop- your people, them. Man, them. <laughs> oh, now you want to go to Jamaican because of verses? I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I see where this is headed. <laughs> allow me to allow, please. Let the agenda agend. Agenda on my brother. Mm. Well, uh, we are back. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. So I, I'm sure that everyone listening to this has seen, um, you know, whether on the timeline or in their group chats or just experienced in person themselves, the crisis of random fireworks. Um, so I haven't been in, in the city in a while, so I haven't personally heard any fireworks from the, wow. the, the call. Like one of those, are you like one of those rich people that leave the city and go to your look? All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, we bless God. <laughs> all, I, all I'm saying is, we bless God. And um, as far as your president that decides to hide in bunkers and stuff, you only you can speak to that. I, I'm not an expert when it comes to that stuff, but there's no bunker we're hiding. You know, we're just a few, a state away, a state or two away. <laughs> No cell phones, just vibes. You know, the, you know, the, you know. Um, internet. Did you see the link that I I sent with uh, the conspiracy theory? Yeah, I actually retweeted it. Perfect. So, so basically, uh, what's happening is everyone in a urban metro 
area in the United States has seemingly gone through the same experience of random fireworks going off at odd hours of the of the day and night, especially in New York, D.C., uh, Chicago, Miami, L.A., um, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. It's just fireworks going off everywhere. Um, and at first, I thought that people were just, like, exaggerating because, you know, fireworks go off. Once it's 4th of July, Memorial Day, like, you know, fireworks are a common thing that go off in the city, especially. Um, but what I'm seeing on the timeline is that this is a completely unique scenario where these are not like regular fireworks for home use. These are like industrial illegal fireworks that are going off that are like PTSD, like causing like psychological shit. So I don't know exactly how to to address (laughs) <laughs> I read the I read the theory right, um, so I'm not gonna label it as conspiracy because I'm like big boy conspiracy theory, but it's like I've been sleeping through it like a baby, so I never really I've yet to like see it as such. Because are, you, are, you, are you saying that you are affected uh, by you know by the psychological effects of of uh, the streets? Are you saying the streets have desensitized you? I've been to certain sounds, right? Maybe because I'm. I have to get good sleep. You know, yeah. I, like it has, fireworks has not been my reason, but I, I don't think my area is getting like 2, 3 a.m. fireworks. I think it slows down about midnight. Yeah, that shit is nuts. I I, I yeah. wasn't, I didn't so know I, that people were really going through that, but that shit is no, nuts. I, I get, where, where I am, it's bad. It's yeah, bad. Like 2, 3 a.m., like it's hard to see. Yeah, yesterday it, it was like past 4 a.m. They were still oh, going no. off. And I, I also noticed that, like, there was, I, I noticed a police siren on, like, I guess on the other side of where my building is, which is not, it was like a few feet away, like a half a block away from, like, Fulton Street, for example. Uh-huh. As, like, the car was driving away and as the sirens were going further away, I heard fireworks go off. So I'm convinced, at least in the wee hours of the morning, that it was a cop that that did that shit. Because <laughs> no one was outside. Yeah. That actually, it, it, that actually uh, lends more credibility to the theories that we've been seeing online. Uh, also, okay. there was a there was a New York Post uh, article. I don't know if you guys saw it, where it showed actual New York firefighter New York firefighters lighting off those illegal fireworks in Brooklyn. So, yeah, I, I, you, I you wouldn't might. I wouldn't be shocked because getting fireworks in New York is not easy. You have to like everyone knows you go to Philly to get fireworks. So, the like it's been twenty straight days. It feels like that this has been going on. So I would and even I would, before before Memorial Day, where I am, no. it was happening like around when the protests were happening, which was before Memorial Day. Exactly. So, like to imagine that people have this this much fireworks stored, like like it's something where you go off and you're like, okay, save that for next week or save that for tomorrow. Like yeah. it's just something weird. That there's something up. There's something going on. I just don't. You know, I'm just that for a full so night's sleep. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I feel I feel bad for anyone that has to endure that. Honestly, even even when I was in the city and it started, I don't think that um, the area that I was in was affected. Um, but everyone I know that's in like Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, uh, various areas of LA, anything streets is being affected by this. And the thread that that we're all aware of now. 
um, listeners that haven't been aware of the thread, basically there was a um, a Twitter user who I'm not gonna I'm not gonna identify him in case that you know I don't want his thread to be taken down or whatever. But basically, everything we've been talking about, he broke it down as to why he thinks this is a coordinated attack, and um, he believes it's a coordinated attack on Black and Brown communities by government forces, an attack meant to disorient and destabilize the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and he thinks that the goal is multifaceted. One sleep deprivation as a means to create confusion and stoke tensions between black and brown peoples, which would make sense. Two, desensitization as a means to get us so used to the sounds of firecrackers and other fireworks that when they start using their real artillery, the real artillery on us, we won't know the difference, which is pretty creepy. It's meant to sound like a war zone because a war zone is what it's about to become. We think this is psychological warfare, the first wave before whatever the next stage of the attack is. We think this because there is no way in the world that young black and brown people would otherwise have access to these professional fireworks. These are Macy's July 4th New Year's level displays and sonic booms reserved generally for the wealthiest people and institutions. And these kids are being supplied these things by the truckload. Hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks worth of explosives, y'all. No young black and brown people would be would be able to afford a fraction of the supply. Um, he continues to say... The government is providing these to neighborhood young people. These young people are unaware of are unaware of how they're being used against their own communities and think they're simply being allowed to have the kind of fun that is generally considered illegal. Um, the government and mainstream media are being coy or pretending to be clueless about it all. Um, the government also told residents to call 311 or 911 when the fireworks happen, but when you call 311 or 911, no one shows up, and why would they if they're the ones behind it? The New York, yeah. Post, ex- the New York Post exposed the fire department for taking part in it, but as you would imagine, the government is leaving it up to the fire department to investigate itself and eventually clear itself of any wrongdoing. Wonderful. The New York Times is reporting on it as, what, as a culture clash issue, but we think it's a passive-aggressive assault on the minds of the black and brown people who are rebelling against the status quo. This is gaslighting with literal lights. Please share this message. If you know anyone participating in the fireworks attacks, please educate them about how this is an attempt to undermine the struggle for liberation and try to persuade them not to allow themselves to be used by the enemy of the people. I've lived in New York City long enough to know a rat when I see one, and the New York City has some of the biggest rats you've ever seen. P.S. This could also be the police attempting to retaliate against our calls to defund slash abolish the police by creating the circumstances for a continuous public nuisance and then purposely failing to respond to it, which makes sense. Yeah, the times that I've heard police come around when this happens, I'm always hearing fireworks go off. Mm. So to me, especially when it happens at all, like later in the night, like when it, it gets to like morning time, I'm still hearing it. No one's really outside like that anymore. Like who's doing this? There was another post that came up after the uh, same dude that said, uh, when I was in the army, oh, he, he was quoting someone else from his Facebook comments. He said, someone told him, when I was in the army, I was in a special operations unit called Psychological Operations, PSYOP. This was absolutely one of the tactics we used for destabilizing the populace. This has been a tactic used by spec ops and the CIA in just about every conflict the U.S. has been involved in since Vietnam, and it's extremely effective. Another comment in line with the military operations theory says that the next stage after PSYOPs is a rolling blackout and water rationing. (laughs) If it was just me, I might be saying, yo, chill, but everybody on my whole block thinks the same thing. My friends and fam in California, Pennsylvania, Illinois, 
Mississippi, Ohio, Maryland, D.C., North Carolina, et cetera, are saying the same thing. And then you see, like, posts all over the Internet where random people who, I mean, if you look at the pictures of these guys, they look like firefighters. Like, they're dressed as, mm-hmm. you know, they're dressed as firefighters selling fireworks. Mm-hmm. I just saw a post. Random guy tried to sell this all to me for $75. Dude is holding, like, a shit ton of fireworks. Seemed like a great deal, but I know it's legal, so I didn't buy it. The Henny had to be $20 by itself, so well, I don't know how cheap these guys are getting it, but at whatever but whatever deal they got seems to be trickling down. Yikes. That was in Flatbush. It's crazy. It's wild. Well, I, for anyone listening that has to, unfortunately, be within range of these fireworks, um, I would highly advise that you invest in earplugs until this shit kind of goes away. Um like we've discussed, it's more than likely that the authorities are involved in whatever's going on. So, I mean, until things start to make sense, uh, I would invest in earplugs and um, try and get as much sleep as possible because disorientation is, is trash. And for anyone that is an entrepreneur or anyone that works nights or, or, or works constantly without sleeping, we know the effects of not sleeping. We know those those how those affect how those nights of not sleeping have been affecting people. And with the pandemic, you can imagine that people aren't getting normal sleep anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nasty. Mm. Super yeah, Lord. I'm not I'm not shocked the cops aren't going away smoothly, you know what I mean? So I I'm not putting anything against them. It's just it's just such a weird tactic, but I'm sure you know, they're thinking out of range of what we would assume they'd do, you know, outside of just abandoning their posts and not responding to calls, which a lot of reports have been showing. But I do think it's interesting. Most of these complaints when people talk about fireworks are happening in protest cities, you know, like I'm sure, you know, it's a nationwide protest, but, you know, there's certain cities where we're getting a lot of turnout. And I think it's quite interesting that most of the cities are having fireworks issues. So um, the theory makes sense to me. It's just, you know, I just didn't see that coming. So Get some sleep. Wow. Yeah, don't, let, so don't, don't, let, don't let these cops play you, y'all. No, no, talk about it, King. Talk about it. <laughs> um, okay, so that's the fireworks. What else? Uh, oh, Juneteenth. How did y'all celebrate Juneteenth? I'll let the Brooklyn young lady speak first because I'm in the Bronx. How was your Juneteenth? I'm in Canada, so I definitely can't talk about any of this. No, it was not Juneteenth. So I worked like half a day. Um, I also was was on like a a panel event in the afternoon. Mm. And then after I met up with my friends at Fort Greene because there was like a layout event. Um, and it was nice. Like that was probably the second time I went to that bigger park than what I usually walk to around my neighborhood, um, since we've been inside and it was definitely a lot more people than I expected, but I just like posted up in part of the park where people were socially distancing and stuff. Um. And it was a vibe. Like folks had the snacks, had their speakers blaring music. We were just hanging out and we actually had like fruitful conversations about how we can do right by each other as a black community. Um, and then also online, like there was this 
ongoing exchange of businesses we can support. Um, I know that Beyonce enlisted her stylist to make a whole like directory, which featured a lot of like businesses that we all know of on there. So I was like super dope to see as well. Yeah, shout outs to P96 or Peter J. They got a shout out. Um, and even um Apple did some shout outs on podcasts and we saw Apple lit on there. So it was really dope to just see people win, people we know win. Um definitely I there we go. You were searching. <laughs> um I worked. I had to work. Um, but you know, like, like checking social media and just seeing people, you know, enjoy themselves, you know, was really, really cool. I think, you know, I know that people out here like, oh, people just found out about June Saint, you know, and pointing fingers, but I think it needs a collective to be a big thing, you know, like if you're just having a barbecue, because they're going to be somebody telling you, oh, we've been celebrating for the last 10 years, 15 years, mm-hmm. 20 years, whatever it is. But we need everybody to celebrate it, to have that feeling, you know, like sometimes you could just live vicariously through people's stories and events that you didn't go to. So I think Juneteenth has grown. Obviously, this year has a lot mixed into it, but um, it was dope to just see it be a conversation like, I would see a random black person and they would tell me happy Juneteenth and I said it to some people. So I think it's growing and I think next year, you know, 2020 doesn't kick uh, behinds any more than it already has because part two is coming. Um, I think Yikes. I, I think it'd be dope to see where Juneteenth goes, you know, like the tra- tradition that comes with it. I'm sure, you know, retail is going to get involved with Juneteenth sales and you know, we have a lot more brands giving, making it a, a paid day and, you know, some people will get off. So I'm quite excited for where Juneteenth, you know, the projection for Juneteenth, especially. Um, it's it's just sad that it takes certain things for us to, like, fully get on board with it. But, you know, yeah. black, history, black history in this country is not necessarily as getting what we need. It's us, you know, forcing their hands to get what we actually want. So um, it's it's our history. You know, anything we have or, any, or anything we have to celebrate or just normalize, we've had to fight for. So I think this is an example of that, of seeing how Joe Team has become such a big thing within a year. Yeah, I also I I I also um I find it interesting that a lot of Africans uh that I know have been reaching out and asking what is Juneteenth and having to you know discuss with them about what Juneteenth is and what it means to African Americans and et cetera, et cetera. I think it's an interesting conversation when we talk about African diasporans and then African Americans and how there's still sort of a disconnect on on cultural uh, moments and, and holidays and so forth. Like, have you guys noticed that some of your African friends may not have known what Juneteenth was about? And when you try to talk to them about it, they're like, oh, okay, I get it. Because it has to do with slavery and and how slaves realized that they were actually free for pretty much years. And they, you know, found out years after, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation was ratified and so forth. Have you guys had any of those conversations with your African friends or African family members? Um, 
No, I mean, on my end, not really, but I've definitely noticed that point of discovery for folks online. Uh-huh. And and I also just was thinking about how Juneteenth was something that I always knew of. And I remember it being taught in, in the schools that I attended, uh-huh. but it wasn't anything in depth as I feel like it should have been uh-huh. compared to like emancipation, emancipation proclamation, for example. Yeah, like, I hate saying that. I hate saying that phrase, by the way. It's the worst. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I definitely recall me knowing of it, right? But like the whole idea of it becoming a, a much bigger holiday than what we know was definitely new for me and definitely something that I feel like is long overdue. Um, um, so I think it's just an opportunity for people to just learn learn another point in history that that impacts like our distant community. Because we 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 coexist with the Black American community, so it's important for us to know that history just as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, definitely noticed that for a lot of folks, this was something new for them, and I think that newness is why was where where that energy comes from to a certain extent as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I think you know that's why I don't know why people don't like teaching people things because I think when you teach somebody something, they get you know they have that option of being excited about what they just learned and making something of it, you know? Like, a lot yeah. of people are looking at July 4th completely different, you know? So, um, everyone's excited about Juneteenth. Everyone's excited about the idea of, you know, having their own independence, you know? So, and I just, I just don't know why people, you know, obviously we're not going to rely on the educational system to teach people about Black history the right way, you know? Mm. So... I think it's up to us to share the knowledge, but I feel like this year it's been, it's been like, it's been out there and a lot of people have been searching it, obviously the hashtags and comments and captions, you know, if you care or care to know, you know, you can educate yourself and, but nobody has really come to me and asked me, I feel like everybody has done their research, you know, it was, it, it was just, I don't know, there was just that energy in the air. For Juneteenth, I was very excited for yeah, it. Was nice. it was nice. It was nice to see a lot of Black people coming together and really celebrating, just being yeah. chocolate. I love it. Um, you know, I would have. It would have been nice for me to venture out to Brooklyn, but you know, I also didn't want to catch Corona. Corona, so you know, we have to no, just no, deal what we do with. You know, I that's I saw all the IG posts and Twitter. Tweet. I was like, damn, they were out yeah, there. Yeah, people were in the streets. People were in the streets. Were, I know there was they like... They were in each other's faces with no mask. Yeah. yeah. All, people were not, people were not socially distanced at all, at all. Just raw dogging all the droplets. It was disgusting. Yikes. But we pray, we, pray for, we pray for lack of... What's it called? That the gems and the viruses are not, you know, up and skipping into the next bloodstream. I don't really want this thing to be over. It's just, I get it. Like, we've been cooped up for so long, so people want to go out. So I'm not even mad at that. Yeah, and like, we're, we're all outside. So the fact that we're outside helps a little bit. Define we. <laughs> Define we, because we were not anywhere. I know the few times I've been outside, it was at the park because I was just posted mm. at the park. Mm. I was socially distancing. I know that. But I did see <laughs> pockets of people not really doing that. But um, that's, yeah. hilari- that's hilarious. 
Um, what else? Oh, the Tulsa rally. Did y'all see uh, uh, Bible's favorite president dealing with that? Wow. Wow. I mean, that is your guy. Um, I saw I saw the clips, you know what I mean? And um, I know you're not in New York City, so I wasn't sure where exactly you were, but now that you told us you're in Canada, it makes sense. I'm not but, in Canada. Um, <laughs> I didn't know where you were. I didn't know if you traveled with the... You know, to Tulsa. I was I was waiting for you to share the location. <laughs> wow, you were throughout, throughout the weekend. You thought that I was going to yeah. go to Tulsa? I don't know what you're about, you know. Wow. You're, you know, a pandemic could change a man. Everybody knows that. Right. I wasn't going to judge you. I support you. No, but um, I saw clips. I saw him saying he was going to um, try to limit testing to affect the numbers. Um, it's just so crazy. I don't know if you guys see it, but when he talks, he just sounds like a man that wanted to be a comedian. Um. Like, he has a whole spiel. Like He goes through his skits and walks around and delivers and like waits for the crowd uproar. And I know they're paid actors and all that are in there, but this man wants to be a comedian. Like it's insane. Yeah. It's just that he enjoys committing crime so much that he needs to put himself in a place of power. But this is not if he could do it without being a place of power, he'd do it. But here we are dealing with this guy. And sometimes I think maybe he's had enough and he's not gonna win. And other times I just think, I don't see how he's going to get off that seat and not be prosecuted if somebody else is president. I just don't know. Unless he's going to come up with something that says a, said a president can never be arrested. And I have no idea how he thinks he's going to leave that and the mess doesn't come out. Because even while he's president, there are people coming up and speaking out against what he's done. So I could only imagine what happens when he's no longer president. It's just, it's just tiring. I don't know. But I saw, yeah. I saw clips though. I would not use my time to watch any a, a Trump rally. You know. I saw there are a few black reporters that I follow who had to go to cover it, gotcha. and <laughs> the photos they were taking just to kind of like chronicle at least like the crowd aspect of it was was comical to me because that kind of just stems from a lot of people trolling the capacity of the arena. It's like they, people who weren't even Tulsa submitted their names to request tickets. No, yeah, that that's trash. I heard. <laughs> so was, was it kids on TikTok? There was a challenge where they would request seats and not show up. So it just looked empty. That, that is one oh, faction of yeah. it. The K pop, the K pop, the K pop, the K pop legion came through too. Like it was a, it was a collective effort, from what I understand. Good for them. I'm happy we have allies yeah. in the BTS squad. <laughs> yeah. Right. If they're gonna like stress us out with random videos all over Twitter, the least they could do is hold it down during our yeah, Trump they, rally. They be holding it down. They know what's up. Okay. Now, I just um, did you um, Tune, did you get to watch the the rally? Did you pick anything up? I hundred percent did not. No, oh, okay. I just wondering. Just ask. Uh-uh. I definitely did not watch the rally. I mean, that's your president, so I know that you support him in various ways. I figured that I was going to ask you for the for the for the for the you know the play by play. 
Got you. Not I. Not your president <laughs> law and order. I'm gonna like use that law and order to segue. Yikes! All Man. these alle- all these allegations. It's almost like you're treating me like an artist that we haven't brought up yet. That's crazy. Oh no no we're gonna we're gonna That's start with crazy. law and order. All these accusations and allegations. I want to know. I want to know what you guys think. Are you guys on the reform the police or abolish the police side? Where are um, you guys on this? This is a great. I'm happy that you're bringing this up. Uh, my opinion on this has switched multiple times, and as you can imagine, that would be the that would be the case uh, when you know I'm not I'm not from. Again, I'm not from. I sh- I shouldn't say I'm not from. But what I should say is, uh, given my African-American exposure and my African exposure to how things work in this country, the African-American in me would say completely abolish it, given that I know that the police in its own is a remnant of slave catching, you know, the slave catchers that have existed in antiquity and that essentially just reformed itself to become the national police force that we see as is. Even the way they, they you know, patrol the communities and so forth is still reminiscent of things in the past, right? But the African in me is like, ah, they, they don't butter me, so, you know, we can just reform them and everything will be okay. So um, I'm going to lean on my African-American brain to say that we should completely you know, work towards finding alternative ways to um, patrol our communities and make sure that the right people are doing the right thing and the wrong people are held accountable for the things. But it can't go on as it is now. Oh, true. And tonight, where do you Your thoughts? Oh. For, for me, I'm definitely on team abolish the police. And I think, like, step step one is defunding the police because... A lot of these systems that are set up, they have to thrive off of chaos and dysfunction to exist. And if we put resources within um, social services, education, um, health, on health across all spectrums of health, then a lot of what the police are going after, harassing people for, wouldn't really be the case anymore or as much you know, and so I think we should just burn it all down and start over. I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you, Antoinette. Um, I'm definitely down for abolish, abolishing the police, and I think the whole, the whole criminal system is, you know, really rigged to keep the black race down. I don't want to say black man, black women as well. Um, from like the whole. <sighs> It's it's just a lot. Every time we read up on cases of people being arrested, even though they're innocent, or the amount of years some people get, or you know similar crimes that their white counterpart will get and have maybe months and they're getting years. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that whole criminal system has to just be abolished. Obviously, people hear abolished and they just think you know lawlessness and no sort of no sort of like organization when it comes to dealing with crimes, but there, I think we've been, you know, we've been used to one thing and it might be time to give something else. I think there should be a lot more professionals dealing with emergency calls. You know, the cops shouldn't show up for everything. It's clear, you know, Um, a man having just even represent, just speaking on George Floyd, a man having supposedly a fake $20 bill doesn't need cops with guns you know like unless he has a weapon himself or he's being belligerent or 
attack. You know, like we have to match certain energy. And I think cops don't come matching energy. Cops don't come looking to deescalate. So that has to like this whole thing has to be abolished because their quarters they have to hit, their private prisons making money off certain people, their brands that look to hire people in jail, you know. So there's a lot that goes into the into this that has to just be broken down completely. Yeah, and, and also I'm, and also I think that what to piggyback off what you're saying, I think the other you know, let's even say that everything is abolished, right? So now we have to figure out where to place all these law enforcement officials that are actually good, right? The good ones in the bunch. How do we reintegrate them into a society where, you know, the, the way they used to do their jobs is no longer acceptable by society, right? It has been mandated that they have to figure out another way to contribute to society. And I think that um, people aren't having that conversation either. It's like, what about all these cops that have been doing their job, you know, for for as long as they've been in the force, right? Like, how do how do they get reintegrated to society? And I think by us not having that conversation, we're doing the same exact thing that the system does to felons that are in the system now. It's like once they get out of jail, they get out of the system, how do we ensure that they're being reintegrated into society in a way where they, where they feel like they can, you know, move forward past whatever got them locked up in the first place, right? So I think we also need to be cognizant of when we do push forward with abolishing the current, you know, police, the way they do, they, whatever they do, we have to figure out how to maybe retrain the ones that want to still be active in the community and do the right thing. How do we retrain them so they can be useful in the community and not resort to being militia or fucking vandalizing communities as, they, as some of them seem to be doing already? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it comes down to determining what their real purpose is and and why they even join the force in the first place. Exactly. If it's to really if if it's to really be about that community life, then cool. Like maybe you can retrain and be, and be part of the different aspects of the community that we want to amplify and provide more resources for. Exactly, and for those that clearly fail whatever test or reintegration test that you know. You know, will need to be instituted to kind of see who falls where in the community, then those people clearly, you know, will know, okay, you know, we know that you've served the community in the past. We, you know, we're grateful that you wish to, you know, be a part of community service in whatever way that makes sense. But after we've evaluated you, we see that, you know, you're your, your, you know, psychological or whatever evaluation has shown that you don't have the necessary um, skills to, you know, be given the authority to patrol or whatever the community or, you know, be a community leader, right? I just think that things need to be very black and white so there's no confusion. And there also needs to be um, external audits of all these things moving forward because the reason why yeah. shit, the reason why shit is the way it is now is because the same people that are perpetrating all these crimes in these communities are left to investigate themselves when shit goes wrong. And I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever worked for a company or whatever where they did something wrong to somebody, they're not, you know, usually they are not in a position to audit themselves and you know, figure out what actually happened. They're usually there to protect whatever organization that they represent. 
So that is unfortunately what's been happening and what always happens, right? Even when we talk about the the various cases that have been happening across the country, right? Some of these cases would have never been even shown the light of day if social media didn't catch on to them. It's not like the community or the police forces in these neighborhoods didn't know about these things. They just covered their tracks and swept it under the rug. That's happening forever. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what becomes of the future of the police force and the future of policing in general in the United States. Mm-hmm. Right. They definitely don't look like they're ready for change. They don't look like they're ready for any kind of suggestion of change. No. Um, because because they're, thinking about, they're thinking about their own selves. They're thinking about their own lives. No, yeah, they're in a place of power. You have, you have something where this department, and I think in every, I'm not sure in every state, but they get a big chunk of the budget practically Absolutely. everywhere. Billions of right. dollars, billions of do- money that should be going to education, money that should be going to healthcare. New York City was $6 billion. Like Something crazy not, like that. Not New York State, New York City. Like, that's over a bill per, per borough. That's where you insane. get stop and frisk and all these wonderful things from. Insane, insane. And people don't feel protected. People don't feel served. It's just absolutely insane how it works. And it's just become people against cops with just this, what's well, been um, a month of protesting. So I think, I think um, I'm definitely on their baller side. And I just think we should have more professionals dealing with certain things. Everything isn't, you know, a crime that cops get to deal with. And I just don't think they're prepped for that. Um, and I agree. You know, their quotas they have to hit, they're, you know, they're celebrated for arresting people. They're celebrating for attacking people, you know. So, and um, I think they're just too excited with their new toys. A lot of them are very, you can tell, like, people are just standing mind their business, raising their hands. They're getting pepper spray. They're getting hit with the new bullet, um, the rubber bullets. They, you know, it just shows they're getting toys and they have very little control of self. So I, I would love for, you know, professionals to deal with people. The money's there. The money's obviously there, but it's just not being used the right way. And obviously, education is horrible in America as a whole. So we have to definitely rethink everything. Defund the police is just step one. But I'm in. I'm in for abolishing. I was, like you said, I'm. At first, I was. I was trying to understand how it works, and I did some research, read some articles. Shout out to Evie as well. We had a good conversation about it. Evie. Um, we spoke about it a little bit, but um, yeah, we, we need change. And I think abolishing is the way to go. Boom. I mean, did, did you guys see what they did in Camden? Was it Camden, New Jersey, where they basically yeah. fired everybody in the police force and made people retrain and reapply? And they've dropped crime by like 70% or something nuts. They've like. That's crazy because yeah, Camden crazy. is Camden. notorious for being that city of high it used crime. To be. Used to be, yeah. Used to be, but yeah. In, a, in the last like three years, mm, actually, I not don't so know much. How many years has been. It's been. I thought Camden was still. I've heard. I've heard it's better by numbers, yeah. but it's still a place you know it's like known. So I don't think people mm-hmm. are exploring it as much. Like it's not a drastic change, but the numbers show there has been, you know, less of the rest. But I think cops also go looking for arrests, though, you know, like, Uh. and I think sometimes you have to change the culture because sometimes you can just stand there with your boys and mind, you you know, stop and frisk in itself. Like the idea of stop and frisk now is you don't have to see a crime, right? You just have to think there's a crime and then you can find a crime. So 
I think the numbers are going to drop when you change your culture, but a dangerous place is still a dangerous place, but... Oh, yeah, predictive, um, crime, and, predictive crime is another thing that, that that is fucking crazy, if you think about insane, it. Insane, insane. Like, I've watched, you know, with everybody recording cops a lot more, You, I've just seen weird videos, just things that scare me every time as a black man. Just, you know, cops just being triggered by one thing and looking for something else. And obviously people standing firm as citizens and, you know, letting them know their rights and, you know, it going south because the cop feels like, OK, I'm being embarrassed here or I want to find something. So it's we have to that we have to the culture of policing has to change in this worldwide, because obviously we see a lot of countries protesting with this Black Lives Movement, and a lot of people are, and cops all over are just showing their asses everywhere. So I think a lot has to change worldwide with cops and quarters and just the amount of power they have. I agree. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if everybody heard it through Twitter, but I feel it was this anyone connected to Twitter in any specific way. Or did that we that all find out on the timeline? Yeah, can you say that? I said, we all find out. Oh, wow, I have to pay my bill. Um, hey. No, I said, Tony, <laughs> how did the we... T-Mobile again? How did... Here we go. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Outage poppy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, we, we hop on a podcast to get to hurt people's feelings. I see what's happening here. My feelings are hurt, sir. <laughs> no, but um, Oluwa Tongan news. Um, how, did you guys all find it on the timeline, like myself, or were you guys connected to the story any other way? Mm. No, I found out on the timeline. I did notice that, like, I, I always, I felt, I felt her face looked familiar. And then when people were right. sharing, like, the the editorial images that she would, she was working on, I was like, no wonder, because I've seen, I've seen those images before just online same so same, same. I've, connecting that I've really like messed me up yeah i i saw bits and pieces of it especially because um i saw when she when she was being highlighted as an activist uh prior to uh prior to her um going missing i guess is the easiest way to to say it um i didn't know that she had gone missing until after the timeline made it clear that uh, she had outed someone who had sexually assaulted her when she was seeking refuge. And that um, the fact that she happened to be Nigerian and Yoruba uh, definitely stuck out to me. And I was like, oh shit, like what, what is actually happening here? So the more I dug, the more I didn't really find the answers that, that, um, that someone digging would hope to find. And then it came out a few days later that she, you know, it had, you know, she had been found dead and and uh, more information started to come out after that. So it was really, really sad. Um, I wish there was more that, that we collectively could have done. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what resources she had at her, at her, um, you know, the resource she had uh, at hand to change the outcome. Um, but all in all, there was, there was definitely, um, a failure on our part as, as, as people to protect her. And, um, my heart goes out to her family and anybody that, that knew her personally. Uh, but this, I don't think that the outcome should have been possible. I, I, I just think that there's more that could have been done to protect her. Um, 
Yeah. Like even talking about it makes me sad because you know I have there's women I have in my family. I, I would hate to 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 feel like uh, uh, anyone that's in my circle, um, and even anyone that's not in my circle, I'd hate to feel like anyone I know or you know would be in a situation like that and not feel like they could reach out to me and I could do something about it or my you know they couldn't have called me or sent me a text or a DM or something I could get them out of that situation you know what I mean she clearly felt like she had nobody around her that she could turn to to protect her and um that's scary man like that's really scary to feel like people know you but you still feel like you're alone like right that that's what stuck out to me the most it's like this is someone that was known. It wasn't like she was just a, a, a no face person. You know what I mean? She had a she had a presence and she had people around her, but for for whatever reason, she didn't feel safe enough to to reach out to the people that you know someone would have thought that she could reach out to. So I also think that that's an opportunity for us to look at ourselves and, and kind of see like who do we know that we may think has all the resources at their disposal if they were in a situation like she was, and would we would those people feel comfortable reaching out to us as, as, you know, places of security where they could come to us if they were in the jam? And if not, why? You know what I mean? There's a lot of things I took, there's a lot of things I took away from, from what happened. And yeah, it's, all, it's, it's all sad. It's yeah. It's literally like, it's all sad. I think that's the best way to say it. Um, It's like you said, all she was going through, um, the people she was fighting for to not be connected, you know, to just be able to rest amongst these people that you're fighting for. Like, obviously, we see her. She, was, she had a voice in this Black Lives Movement um, to fight for a race, you know, to fight for people that look like you and not feel loved, you know, by your family or even friends, obviously, because you were, you know, she was staying in, I think, a shelter. And then... Um, having her to the history that she had with sexual abuse. Um, it was a lot. It's just, it's so layered and just the African family dynamic itself with um, having a young 19 year old girl out there not feeling welcomed home. Um, it's, it's just, it's so much. It's just so much because I have a young sister. I have friends that, you know, go through what they go through. I've talked to so much people. And, you know, one thing that I've always made sure is that I've always made sure I've done was be a voice in my home to make sure my sister felt comfortable growing up and, you know, got to the place where she could express herself and be comfortable. And I just, you know, you envision certain things like, bro, how, how, you know, how would my sister feel in this place if she was not comfortable at home, not comfortable sharing how she felt without thinking it was a repercussion of being kicked out the house or not feeling welcomed home. So it was, that alone was one thing. And then just as I dug deeper into her story and just find find, find out about the sexual abuse part and then just how she still stayed so strong, spoke up in these movements, um, rallied, brought people together and um, just, you know, going through the timeline and just, Imagine what's going through this young lady's head while dealing with everything she's dealing with. You know, it's just, it's so heartbreaking. And I know there's stories like this all over. So I'm not, you know, making one thing more than the other, but it just stopped me, you know. Um, and to think once they arrested the man and he spoke about kidnapping 
her and keeping her because I guess she tweeted it and he might have got word that she tweeted being abused and he was worried about being uh. being um caught and he just dug that deeper and took took Tony away from the world. So so like yesterday there was a new a more detailed report that came out from the local mm-hmm. paper in Tallahassee and due to those details especially since the the man that they um had in custody confessed to the killing and he essentially just like spilled everything it's likely that the person that she was talking about and those last few tweets that we saw was someone else oh wow yeah because apparently he kept her tied up in his home for a few days before he killed her wow that's all i'm gonna say that's all i could read but like because because it's pretty um intense details that's in the story but that's just adds another layer of what she could possibly have been going through beyond this man that that we put a face to that did this to her like someone else probably messed messed up messed with her too before he he did so it's crazy ultimately like it's crazy like no no person should ever have to go through that and then just like to what you guys brought up about that family dynamic she she experienced abuse in her own home and that and that's just something that we don't we don't talk about that enough in the community like we would much rather just just be hush hush about it for all right yeah african family talking about abuse yikes there's just um there's this thing where africans are like as long as the person is family to you they know what's best and that's really it's it's not always the case you know that's why a lot of people stay out of family business like oh they're family they'll figure it out there's love there sort of and it's not always the case you know um and i just hope when things come to light and we get more dialogue going, people speak up and people speak out and, you know, we make it our business to speak for people that we know going through certain things. Like just because someone gave birth to a child does not mean they know how to deal with that child or they, they know how to deal with that personality and they know how to cultivate that person or just watch the person grow, you know? So, and it's clear that Tony was dealing with a lot at home, you know? And she had siblings and it's just so sad that all of that with all, you know, the family she probably had around and she couldn't connect with someone to hold her down as she was doing so much, you know, and they just put her out in the world to deal with everything she dealt with before she, you know, she passed. It's just every time I think about it, I'm just it's just crushing. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot to to even think about. So. And this is why we have to speak up against Sexual abuse is all over. Yeah, I get them out the fucking paint. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, uh, it has come to our attention that an artist that, you know, I don't know if we've covered him specifically on the podcast in the past, but definitely an artist that is well known in the African community, uh, arguably one of the biggest, uh, Afro beats artists at one point in in the uh, trajectory of the of the genre. Um, so I don't even know how to even d- go into talking about this. But basically, this artist was accused of his name. His name is the Bunch. 
Thank you, thank you, Bawo. I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. Um, he was accused of um, sexually assaulting. Was it assault or harassment? Assault. Assault, okay. Um, he was accused of sexually assaulting a young woman by the name of Shaytong in Lagos, I believe in 2019. Um, I don't know how long that this information had been public before it hit the timeline. Um, it was apparently December of 2018. 2018. Okay, so it's even longer than I thought it was. December 2018. Yikes. Anyway, Sha, um, the story hit the timeline and subsequently um, the artist responded back with a, a, a lawsuit basically asking um, her to recant her statement or else there would be a fine and threats of being jailed. Um which ended up happening anyways, right? They did. Did they not take her to jail? Um, is that what happened? They took her to jail, right? Yeah, um, she was in police custody. Yeah, I feel like internet knows the details way better than I do. I just know the. <laughs> I just know like the the bare bones of what happened. So, internet, please feel free to enlighten everyone on what actually happened. Uh, I mean, outside of what you mentioned, um. The the victim, her name is what is her name? Shaytan Babatayo. Shaytan Babatayo. She um came to Twitter and with a set of tweets that have been have since been deleted, and there's speculation that that they intimidated her into deleting those tweets, and they in turn took over her account and started promoting his music on her account, which is kind of Yikes. weird. Yikes. Um, and she was in police custody. I know there are other um, local journalists based in Nigeria that were trying to get a hold of her attorneys to, to get her out. They also were raising funds for her to get released at, at some point, too. And she eventually did get um, released, but she just didn't want to take to the Internet, rightfully so. Um, because of all the craziness that was happening. Mm. Um, and I'm also, I also have the article in front of me right now. Uh, 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 uh. So, Wednesday, June 17th, she was reportedly arrested by a policeman from Sodipo Command, Ikeja. Her lawyer alleged that she was forced to delete her tweets on the rape allegation while in police custody. And the lawyer told the Premium Times they forced her to make those new tweets when she was in custody. They forced her to delete all her tweets and intimidated the hell out of her life. Um, she... Yeah, and then at the same, what's really fishy about this, and this also, this always happens when thing when shit pops off. I always I've noticed at home, it's like people all of a sudden have to deny they're like this never happened. I don't know what you're talking about when it's clear that it did, and yeah. I don't know if, if just like denying it just makes the, everything go away, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it doesn't. Like there's a real trauma that's ha- that's happened here, so. And people were also saying that as she was saying these tweets, that it wasn't her tweeting. It was the people who took over her account that were tweeting this. So there were there were tweets that did say, I don't know where all these rumors are coming from. Myself and my mom are not and have not been arrested. But her lawyers did say that she was in in police custody. So there's a lot of back and forth there. Um so there's an um an actress her name is dorcas 
And she was able to get in touch with Shaytan and affirmed and affirmed that she was indeed in police custody and that Debange's team pressured her into saying those tweets and threatened her to leave her in prison if she didn't recant the allegation. Yikes. And, you know, she was intimidated by his money. Like, he threw, he threw mad money at his lawyers and were essentially telling her she doesn't, stand a ten- she doesn't stand a chance of getting justice because she doesn't have enough resources to even fight this to begin with. That's not so, cool. Yeah, so it's just intimidation. And that happens a lot when, when victims want to come out and, you know, share their story. It's, uh, I saw, I saw the tweets and, um, just, just that idea of like sleeping in your room, thinking everything is right. And somebody breaking into, you know, have sex with you is, it's like, I don't even know what trauma she went through. And it's absolutely crazy that she was able to hold this, hold it this long. And I, you know, I wish her, I, I hope, I don't even know, like, I hope everything comes to light. Um, and I really want to know who the hell gave this man keys. That person should be arrested as well. Um, the whole hotel, like, we need more. Like, because mm-hmm. for him to just be able to show up in her room in the middle of the night, it's, it's just a lot wrong with the way celebs are treated. Mm-hmm. back well all over the world really um to just feel so empowered to be able to get keys to a room you have no access to and then do whatever and just go about your day uh these are the allegations obviously until you know it goes to court and proven otherwise this this you know they're just al- allegations so but from everything we've seen on the timeline from the tweets disappearing to um her suddenly tweeting promo videos for his next project. It's just, it's a lot. And it, he looks, he, he, he looks crazy. His camp looks crazy. And I really, mm-hmm. I hope she's safe. Firstly, you know, I hope she's safe. I hope she's in a good place mentally. And if she's willing to take, you know, deal with everything that comes with this, you know, I hope she can, you know, persevere through the whole thing because this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. What he's accused of. And to your point, Balo, about how like it took this this long of a time for her to come out and share her story, that's kind of a, a part of at least when I learn when I learn about instances like this that happen, whether it's at home or anywhere, I always mm-hmm. like pay attention to how these victims explain what goes on in their minds as they try to right. deal with what happened to them. Like trying to bury the experience is a form of survival almost. It's like a survival tactic, mm-hmm. but that uh, that also eats away at you inside especially when you play that game in your mind where it's like did what happened really happen when it did you know it's like it's almost like your mind is trying to force you to forget it and then there's also the external factors of women being afraid to speak because uh, as women come out and speak it's always like are you sure this happened to you like what were you doing you know, uh, like it's like a lot of gaslighting that had that happens, and that definitely implicates when and if women or just people, period. Because there are there are also men who who get assaulted as well. Like uh-huh. it's like if if and when do they speak out, and if and if they do speak out, to what end and to what cause? Especially if society is going to stamp them as like a liar. Right. Uh, it's no. It's disgusting. I see the tweets where people are questioning her. 
and why does she take so long? It's just, I'm just like, I just feel bad that she held on to it for so long. You know, I, I don't know how often the trauma revisits her or, you know, what triggers her and things while holding on to that. But I just, it just feels like a lot to just hold on to. And I felt horrible that yeah. she had to go through that. And obviously it takes a lot of strength to speak up and to speak up against somebody like Debanj, you know, knowing the repercussions and then dealing with it now. So I hope there's... You know, we get if it's a thing with a legal team being um, funded, I hope somebody starts something and we can send money there. I know they were saying he said he's given his lawyers 25 million. Yeah. To fight the case. If 25 million Naira, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, that we can, I'm sure the diaspora can make that happen for her. So um, I've seen a lot of celebs speak up about it which is we're taking steps we're taking steps away from that culture where you know the man with powers considered the winning side and we just have to you know roll over um mm. i know um mi's tweeted about it and i know don jazzy has tweeted about it as well and um those are those two people whose you know voice i've heard on the timeline so um i i really hope she gets to just speak her mind and just tell her truth and we see what comes of it because yeah. we've heard what the band can do you know like it's insane that you just say something and you're in jail yeah and Nigeria has a far, long long way to go definitely um, I hope everything works out Sha um yeah the minute it hit my timeline I was really really uh concerned for her because I mean, we know how Nigeria works. Um, to my knowledge, she's been released from police custody, so I'm happy to hear that. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, I mean, that's all I know. I haven't heard anything else since then, so. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep an eye on it and not forget it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's all I got for that, man. It's just really sad. She is trash. Uh, Internet, are you ready for your song of the week? Sure. Um, I, I think... think so. One more time? That's how I'll have you start then. Okay. Um, so I'm going to... Um, so I don't know if y'all know about Pretty Boy Dio. Yes. Mm. Who is that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> he dropped a new project called Wildfires, the 8-track EP. Yes, he did. And um, one of my favorites from him is on there. Um, they go here where it's my favorite. But what I wanted to um, bring up for this segment is his collaboration with Wani, who's like another singer, um, songwriter, producer based out of Chicago. We rock He's with Wani. Yeah, I rock with Wani too. So they, they did a track together called Mentally, and it's definitely a vibe. So you also just vibe out to that. You they give me mentally, soft and tenderly. I did. Turn up the volume. I see you looking at me. And maybe I've been waiting patiently for your love. We do it frequently. Or maybe we can do it secretly. If you want, go 
say no say no say me no go they chase anyone No say no say no say me do you come with me Okay 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 I freeze with the girl belly down Okay okay she the boss of me eh I make a turn on to the sorrow Make a turn vibe up in me bunker oh. I miss your body till you won't cry And you got tired till they call my phone I make a turn on to the sorrow Make a turn vibe up in me bunker oh. I miss your body till you won't cry you go tired, you they call my phone. Do they kill me mentally? Soft and tenderly. Do they kill me mentally? Baby girl, now you're my baby Do they kill me mentally? Soft and tenderly. Do they kill me mentally? Baby girl, now you're my baby Down on my luck, girl, I'm stuck again. And I'm so fucked up again. Each other, girl, it's love again. Down on my luck, girl, I'm stuck again Girl, I'm so fucked up again Each other, we get this love again yeah. I said, the girl, I want the ice factory Something in like strawberry Chocolate, girl, you can't wind on me You know you was a little wipe on me I said, the girl, I want the ice factory Something in like strawberry Chocolate, girl, you can't wind on me Every time, any vibe of my life no say no say no say me no go they chase anyone No say no say no say me do you come with me Okay 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 I freeze with the girl belly down Okay okay she the boss of me eh I make a turn on to the sunrise Make a turn vibe up in me bunker oh. I miss your body till you won't cry And you go tired till they call my phone I make a turn on to the sunrise Make a turn vibe up in me bunker oh. I miss your body till you won't cry you go tired, you they call my phone. Do they kill me mentally? Soft and tenderly. Do they kill me mentally? Baby girl, I your baby Do they kill me mentally? Soft and tenderly. Okay, and that was a dope ass song. Shout out to Wani. Shout out to Pretty Boy Dio. Um, I will go next then. Um, mine is a super old. I, I don't want to say super old, but it's an older song um, by Two Face that feature. It's a remix to his hit song of Fanny Baga. It oh. features Beanie Man and Reggie Rockstone. Yes, I'm so happy you're doing this because when I saw this, I saw this float on the timeline a few days ago. I was like, ah, this would be nice, but I didn't want to be biased for obvious reasons. Well, you know, I have no problem being biased, but no, um, <laughs> no, um, I chose it just because of the moment that it was when it dropped. Um, and I remember, I think was most recent would be um a remix that we, I think the country was all excited about was um. When Drake jumped on um, Ojua Legba, um, I think everybody was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, you know, Drake and Skepta on Ojua Legba. And it just, you know, it was like an artist coming to a song specifically. It's not like, you know, we jumping on somebody's song or on a remix, like that's only playing in this place. So it was, that was definitely a moment. Um, Beanie Man doing a song with Two-Face and, you know, the video happened. Um, so... Yeah, it was just one of those moments. And with the verses happening again, where we have diaspora, the diaspora itself went in and just black culture 
showing itself in its true form. Um, I just thought we'd select that because it was a huge, huge moment. So this is a Infinity Baga remix by Two Face featuring Beanie Man and Reggie Rockstar. Well, this is Beanie Man alongside Two Face and this is the remix. And listen what I want. After the dust, yeah, there must be a dance. Then after storm, then there must be a camp. True, you have your bombs and grenades on your arms. True, you have your money and your lambs and your charm. Without God for your life, my brother, nothing I will do. Don't have your China, Bethlehem, Jesus Christ, born. If you plan the scene, now you're supposed to win okay. the game. Don't go a killing school. Study your analogy. Disrespect to face, we never expect no apology. Just when you think you have your colleagues and all your family, leave your community in a tragedy. Two feet. Everybody know that me too legit to quit. Everybody know that me physically fit. Everybody know that me humble and cool. But some people take bad man for food. Hey. Hey. I never give another man yawahu. The reason why I say for the Ibaru. I got my conscience by my side. Got peace of mind inside. Almighty God, oh. Come on. Never give another man sorrow. No matter what they say, I'm gonna make my dough. Hey. Cause who can bless no man curse. Hey. No man hey. can curse. Hey. Now tell right me them I kill before the days of Father now I'll Melchizedek Will it pack on them berry Will it pack on some recipe for resurrect Excuse me, make me out them boy alive just like a cigarette When real Batman a murder me no matter not consider it Me boom up down a Bethlehem Shot up down a Nazareth Forty-five us tell me use a stop all them grandmother bet Shoot up all the sister not because me bought the brother yet Me wife put all the red of them a boom up all the letter Reggie, 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 Rockstone is living in the world So fly Bring it back a yoke it, I can't deny Beanie man and two-faced Reggie Rockstone side Ghana, Nigeria, Jamaica, don't cry you're this higher now, you two will die. So if you have it in your intention, don't try. This bad man and I will send you to the sky. Last thing I make you kiss your family goodbye. Come on, never give another man yahoo. So the reason why I send for the Ibaru is that I got my conscience by my side. Got peace of mind inside. Almighty God, oh, 
Never give another man sorrow No matter what you say I'm gonna make my dough Cause who God bless no man curse No man can curse now now I'm living in the world where friends come up fast fast like style trends Boy kill the man and get the band Tell me what's your defense It all depends on when I you got that ass program Hope you understand You're trying to find wild self Speed the wealth is all you see Week after week I beat your whole life fleet What you me and you look similar But it's only based on skin color You need the apps team father with the chip on your shoulder Ready to kill and die for the dollar The type of brother that neglects mother But plus thicker, the more liquor Fancy cars and the fake affections Of a silver tongue goes Cause Kenny's music got my back day and night And the almighty Lord him never let me leave him sight Everybody knows I'm humble and cool But some people take bad man for naibaru I never give another man yawahu So the reason why I say for naibaru Is that I got my conscience by my side Got peace of mind It's a almighty God who Never give another man sorrow No matter what they say I'm gonna make my dough Cause you can bless no man curse No man can curse now And that was it. Sunday. Boom. I love I love the records that have been chosen this week. Um this has been difficult because there's so many good songs that I want to go with, but I've decided to go with The Charade by D'Angelo. Oh wow. That's exactly how I feel. I feel like um there's a lot of emotion that's being poured into the timeline right now and there's a lot of frustration that everyone is feeling and um we don't all have we don't have all our thoughts in you know in a place where we can articulate how we feel for mm-hmm. a lot of us um and I love that this record came out at a time where the same things we're seeing on the timeline now were happening on the timeline five years ago, right? So that's what this whole project came out at a time where other things were happening on the timeline. So uh, I love it. And I think the dog outside my apartment also loves it. Can y'all hear the dog? Yes. (laughs) He said sign it up. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i've chosen the charade by d'angelo
we've walked revealing at the end of the day the charade boom okay thank you thank you Antoinette for you know taking some time out to deal with us Antoinette to you it's summer of life <laughs> thank you guys uh, can, can you please put us on to 42 creative and what it's about because I know that's a big project of yours right now Yes. Yeah, so um, myself and four close friends of mine, we're all like illustrious African women. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk your shit. You know, we out here, you know. So. We see it. We see it. So we recently launched back in March our um, baby that we've been working on for a little while. Like we're a 360 creative agency. Okay, 360. Yeah, we're called 42 Creative, and we kind of knew the different um, skill sets skill sets that we have, like the experiences that we've had over the years, and we just wanted to come together to continue to elevate the standard for how African cultures are interpreted, represented, and engaged with on a global scale. So that means like either working through like community building type of projects, working with bigger brands that want to engage with us. Like, how can they do that? Because the, obviously there's that like pursuit there's that interest in africa and the diaspora as a whole like you know with the whole news with like def jam having an africa label now essentially that's a good example of that but 
you know, we we just want to help build culturally relevant brands that thrive in the digital space and kind of help these folks engage with us on on an authentic level and in an authentic way. Love it. More grease to your yash. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's huge. It's definitely needed. I think the platform you guys are creating is needed. So I hope, you know, you guys get uh, executed the way you want. Because it's something we need in our community where we have people we can go to that understand what we're trying to execute as well. So Definitely. Uh, we're just trying to push the culture forward and we're on social. So and get paid, please push the culture forward, but please get paid. Yeah, that's a lot of time we do a lot for the community and, you know, people do things for free and you got to get paid. You got to get some power behind you which comes with finance sometimes and you know then you could influence in a bigger way so most definitely most definitely um what's the socials for for to creative so we are on facebook under four two creative we're on instagram under four two creative and the numbers four and two are spelled out um and then we're on twitter at this is four two gotcha that's fire is there anything else you're working on um, so outside of that, I'm a freelancer, so been doing a lot of writing lately. Um, so I have some new work that's going to be coming out very soon. I'm excited to share with everyone. Amazing. Shout out to you. Thank you. Thank you again for dropping by. And we do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Anything else today? No, I think uh, we've definitely uh, had an amazing episode. I'm grateful for Internet's time. I'm grateful she was able to share with us the cool stuff she's working on on her side with her wonderful friends. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what creative outputs you guys do collectively in this year and beyond. Thank you. And yeah, and for even having the time to, to, to you know, to just with us, to just with us amidst everything happening on in, in society right. this week. Uh, I know it's been a, a, a pretty heavy week for, for everyone, um, but um, I, I'm, I've, I'm not alone in, in hoping that you have a more peaceful and productive week and weeks ahead as we all navigate this pandemic together. Mm, if, of course, like it's the least we can do. At the very least, we should just like talk things out together as a community. So when y'all hit me up, I was like, definitely, because like we we all we're all that we got at the end of the day. So and that and that comes with the healing process of it. Like we have to heal together too. Hey, tell them where can they find you on the socials. Um, I am on Twitter at Antoinette Isama and on Instagram at just Antoinette. And for those that don't know, what, what cultural groups do you represent? Because a lot of people may not know. I mean, it took me a while to like, know. so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am Igbo. Um, I, um, my dad's from a number state and my mom is from Delta. Uh, so you, you about our cousins, I see. Something like that, something like that. Shout out. Delta Strong, you see it. We out here. We out wow. here. Wow. She she yeah. she it's so interesting. All of the the you know the traits that I've become familiar with that Antoinette is like a very calm version of, of both sides. It's it's lovely. Right. Is right. it like it's is it like when chaos meets chaos, they just like cancel out and everything is calm? 
Yeah, I feel that's how I approach life, honestly. <laughs> yeah, internet is top top five most chill. I don't want to say which the group because I don't want any wallet, but internet is top five most chill. Dash babe that you you will meet. Shout out to internet. She's always been yeah. solid. Always. Nice. Not yeah. saying the rest of people from Dash tribe aren't solid. Internet wow. is very, very, very chill and solid and dope. So, shout-outs to you. And you know, she got Delta blood, so... No, 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 please, I want no beef. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Is it true? Can I ask you something after that? What's up? Is it true every Igbo babe's love language is is gifts? <laughs> um... I just, I guess, so no. I think it depends on the gift like for me like what what would be a good gift for me is like a well-cooked meal like Mm. just just you know it doesn't always have to be monetary because we're out here making our own money anyway so it's just i'm trying to get good food or something something thoughtful but i still just don't i i i'm not it, it doesn't surprise me that that's like something that a lot of like ebo ebo girls expect because that's something that we saw growing up gotcha. like the men in our lives being providers so i i understand that sentiment <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know just something flowing through the timeline i thought that actually you know come to the source yeah, I see. I see that. I see that conversation. I feel like half the time it's just banter, but half the time we're serious too. You know, so. <laughs> there's truth to every banter. Yeah. Hey, when you can point to me where it's not banter, please point to me <laughs> in that direction, please. <laughs> sure. All right, that's that's all. Any other evil questions you have tonight? I mean, no. If there's one thing I know, I know that all my evil. All the women that I know that are Igbo have a lot of <laughs> very concrete love for them because they don't play. No, we don't. And I respect it. I prefer the straightforwardness that you get from women of that culture than the wishy-washiness you get from other cultures. So that's the one thing that I can say is unwavering. I'm going to... Next, I'll save the what culture, cultures are you talking about for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You have time. <laughs> you have time. You have time to get it right. Nah, you're trying to get me, you're trying to get me beat up. It's fine, but nobody can beat me because I mean I'm quarantined, so it's okay. <laughs> when quarantine is over, I'll just deny everything. Even though it's on podcast, I cannot get rid of it, but it's fine. Anyway, my people, I'm going to eat some of four. Thank you. I'm going to go back to eating my ugali. You know what I'm saying? Shout out oh, to the ugali God, eaters. Disgusting. Disgusting. Hey. What you ah, please take what it back. Ugali is delicious. Ugali, I'm not saying ugali is disgusting. I'm saying what you are doing is disgusting. Hey. hey. Anyway, Antoinette, thank you so much for being a part of this. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Antoinette, thank you again. You're mm-hmm. great. My regards to the squad. Hope to do this again soon. Anytime we need, anytime we need, we need more of our feminine voices on the show. So between you, EVA, and so forth, it's about to be a fun, fun future for you know these combos to continue. I'm down. I, like this conversation and the one we had before was cool. So definitely, anytime y'all need anything, let me know. Liddy, got you. All right, later. Peace. All right, y'all. Peace. And tonight, thank you so, so much for your time. We appreciate you hopping on with us.
Thank you. Let's put it and continue to social distance. I beg. Oh, Absolutely. Don't ignore ignore somebody's son until further notice. You know, no, just I'm, I'm straight. I'm not. Yeah, I'm in my house. <laughs> hey, shout out to everybody in your house. <laughs> Please stay inside, y'all. I beg. Please. So talk can you enjoy, So we can enjoy 2020. I'm an essential worker. Ah, uh, you see, that's how you'll be now lying and say essential worker. <laughs> Plenty. You want me to show you clock-ins and clock-outs? That's how Bao now went, went to the government and said, ah, I need PPE. Plex. Plex, give me PPE. Wow. Okay, well, oh, okay. Yeah, you, 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 you think I didn't see the news where they talk, talk about Nigerians that were running? Wow, uh, it's not such an ass topic. You see, uh, no, I, was, I, was, no, I was trying to protect you now, but since you want to talk about <laughs> it, <laughs> we'll it's, that okay. it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. All right, y'all, peace and thanks again for listening to Nawala. <laughs> Boom.